Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're chatting with two rising stars in our industry, Zoe Chang and Caitlin Fukorpa, who are going to discuss the ecosystem of the writer slash assistants navigating their early careers in Hollywood. Zoe is a Taiwanese-American writer who is currently a story editor on season four of The Rookie, a position she earned after her stint with the 2020 Walt Disney Television Writing Program. After earning her BFA from USC for writing for screen and television, Zoe worked as a writer's PA. Caitlin earned her MFA in television writing and production at Chapman and has interned with CBS television studio CAA and ICM Partners, where she currently works as an assistant in the lit department. And oh my God, I only did one stumble. Applause, applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So we're really excited to have these two young writers with us. They're in the thick of it when it comes to navigating Hollywood um, as emerging writers for Caitlin and uh, established writer for Zoe. Um, and we can't wait to gather some intel and some insight into their journey. Um, but before we dive into our conversation, let's get into our weeks um, and what we like to call adventures in screenwriting. All right, we're going to have Lorian start. Lorian. So for a change this week, I'm going to talk about something amazing that happened uh, in my writing. Episode three of my show Tab Time came out on Wednesday morning and I watched it um, and it was so different watching it on you know, YouTube where the platform that it's on um, and knowing that other people were going to see it rather than, you know, watching it in the edits and the cuts and post um, because it's really personal to me and I was super proud of it. Um, there is an animated segment and it has these different families. The episode is about family. It's really lovely, different kinds of families, what makes a family. And so there's this animated segment and Miss Tab goes into a forest and visits different uh, animals. And there's a frog family and the frog family has two mamas and two kids. And, uh, For me, you know, I grew up, I had two moms and it was a big secret we had to keep because I grew up in a very small, close-minded town and it was in the 70s and the 80s. And so it was not a safe place to talk about having two moms. So for me, it was really important to be able to do this. And I had the full support of everyone in production, of Tab, of, you know, everyone in the writer's room. And now I'm getting emotional again. It was just really amazing to be able to, Um, put something like that in the world and knowing that little kids, big kids, adults are going to be able to see themselves there in that moment. And these two mama frogs eating spaghetti with their families. And it, it seems so silly sometimes, you know, working in animation and working in kids, we can tend to minimize our work and the impact it can have because, you know, it's animation. We don't often get paid as much as live action. You know, it's, it's a different, it's sort of pushed aside and down a bit. Um, And But for me, this was one of those moments that was like truly validating as a storyteller, putting myself into my work, the writers who wrote the episode, putting themselves into it. So I wanted to keep it short this week, but um, this was just 
I think it's really the first time I've got to experience this from something that I created. You know, I worked on Inside Out and Up and all these amazing movies, but this was something that, you know, I did. So um, it was really cool. So awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm really happy for you. It's great. Yeah. It's a really a special experience. And it's also a little bit of lava mm-hmm. that you oh, put yeah. into a beautiful thing for children to feel seen. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It's why we, I think it's the best part of writing. Well, and I want to say um, quickly, Lauren, you've so often thanked Meg, or I remember you thanked Meg and Nicole for their work on Captain Marvel, but this is our turn to say thanks to you. Thank you. Um, because this representation, and especially on kids' TV, they often fear or shy away from that. So um, it will have a big impact. And thanks. Yeah, and it was wonderful. it was lava because I was confronting my shame. Yeah, that's right? exactly why it's lava because and, something and I want everyone to hear who's writing out there that that is what can happen, that the lava that is a shameful, dark shame, hidden thing actually becomes beauty. It becomes something powerful in the world to help other people. And that's why we do it. And that's why it's artistry and not, you know, not just a craft, why it is art. So Bravo. Bravo. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Look awesome. at me taking a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> you guys do it so kiss, well. kiss. <laughs> All right, Caitlin. Caitlin. Uh, okay. So let's see. This week, this week. Um, honestly, you know, as far as like getting like pages out, like actually writing, this week wasn't that great for me. Um, it, it was pretty busy at work, but um, but what I will say is that. I had a pretty good conversation with a friend this week that I think was just really good. Um, we were just talking about writing in general. And and most of the time, I know that Meg, we had texted about this a little bit. Most of the time when I write, I, I'll like do a draft and I'll finish it and I'll, I'll send it out kind of right away because I think you're just like so desperate to get back some of that like positive reinforcement. You know, that's what you want. So you get it out there. And even if you know it's not that great, you're thinking in your head, you're like, oh, well, maybe, maybe I can get away with this scene and that scene, even though it's not right. But like, I'll get, you know, the positive affirmation back that I want. But what I've been working on recently, I've been working on, I think since like March and Last week I had finished my third draft and I was like, okay, I'm going to send it out to everybody. I'm going to send it out now. I've been working on it all year. You know, now it's ready and I've drastically changed it three times. And then I came in the last week and I read it like for the first time with a really, really critical eye, the third draft. And I was like, you know what? Like, this isn't right. I was like, I know that it's not right. And I can point out what's not right. And so I think I'm just not going to send it. Um, But like I said, I think, I mean, there's so much, there's so many good things to say about finishing something because that's an accomplishment in itself. But this friend and I had had this conversation this week where he was like, well, are you going to send it? Are you going to send it? Are you going to send it to me? He's like one of my best friends and my best readers and always gives me just very honest, um, honest feedback. And I told him, I was like, you know, I think for me, I'm really gravitating away from as a writer, just finishing something and being proud of that and more toward finishing something, but being like, how can I make it the best that it can be before I actually send it out? And if I'm recognizing these things ahead of time and I have the power and the opportunity and the time to go and change those things before I go off and get those, those first reads, then that's what I'm going to do. Um, so this week, it was just like a big recognition of that. And I think I was able to kind of look at myself and, you know, be kind of gravitate away for away from like, oh, I finished this thing and that's great. And I deserve respect and validation for that, you know, off to like, 
I know that I know these things are wrong and I'm going to change these things and I'm going to make this the best that I can be and then and then send it off and then and then yeah. let people react. Especially to it. So, if, if especially if what you're changing helps clarify the concept, helps clarify what you want the show to be so that right. you can get the notes you need right right yeah. back. If it's yeah. just about execution, you know, of course do it, but then, you know, but I, what you're talking about is, wait a minute, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so great. Cause you're going to get much better notes back uh, right. from what you need. And it's, it is really relevant, you know, um, even as you know, once you're up and you've been doing it for ages, you still want to send it out just to get positive yeah. feedback. Yeah. I mean, literally, exactly. I, mean, I, I did it to my husband, which sometimes I get and sometimes I don't, uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that is a very real thing. And it does take some discipline sometimes to say, have I gotten this as far as I can get it? And and what is my need and intention? I think that's awesome. The tricky part, right, is two things, knowing whether it's, I'm going to keep this and keep making it better, or I'm too, I don't, I'm afraid to send it. Yeah, that's very different. Those two things are important (laughs) to know the difference and they can get very messy. And then the other part is, you know, in draft two, I'm sure you have some beautiful things that you're like, if only somebody could see this, they'd know that I was capable of the next five things, right? So it's so hard when you have to like, not even show people those first five drafts because you know, there's good stuff in there. But then the story evolves and you have to let go of that stuff. It's right. That's no, a hard exactly. process. And even when like, cause I had texted Meg last week, cause I, we had gone out to dinner and she was like, give me a draft, you know, which I absolutely understand. There was a due date on it. And I had promised that I was going to deliver that. And I, I had worked all the way up into that. And I was like, okay, this is it. You know, I'd met it. And I told her, I was like, look, I'm, I'm not spinning my wheels. I was like, I know that I'm not sitting here, like, re, you know, rearranging a few commas, you know, changing a few adjectives. I'm not doing that. I was like, I'm actually making real changes because I know that these things are wrong. Um, And so that I feel like was just like a big growing period for me because I mean, definitely projects I've worked on before, like I said, I'll write a draft and I'll be like, cool, I finished this thing. So like bring on the glory, you know, right. But now it's like, now I'm actually, I feel like, like you said, making it the best that I feel like I can get it before actually putting out. Yeah, because I think you're moving from a student in a school who has to turn in things, right. you're like, I finished it, I'm turning it in. Yep. And then you're going to give me my grade and my feedback. <laughs> yeah. But that, you know, you're out of that phase now and you're in the business and you're doing this amazing thing of being an assistant and writing at the same time, which we're going to get into. It's a different, it's a different thing. It's a different bar of when you send it out. So Zoe, how was your week? My week was good. I was in the room, the writer's room and I feel like all of us know it's the last business week before the the whole the whole town shuts down for the holiday. So, you know, we were just trying to get as much work done as possible and just try to get our ducks in line. And I feel like the end of the year really snuck up on me. I was like, oh, my God, it's the end of 2021. And I always get self-reflective. I had a conversation with my managers earlier in the week just talking about, like, what we accomplished this year and goals for next year. And yeah, I always just think back and I'm like, how did I do this year? Am I happy? Like, am I proud of myself? And this year, my biggest goal, because I'm on, you know, my second year on this show is, is just to like make a tangible improvement and show that I've grown as a writer. And I was thinking back, you know, about what I did this year. And I think in many ways I have grown just, you know, pitching in the room, writing on the page, being on set as a producer. So yeah, I, I'm always hard on myself. Like, you know, you could have done this more, you could have done better, but I think overall I had a good year and 
so this week was just sort of reflecting on that and being like, okay, you know, 2022 is coming up already. So let's gear up, but also rest for a few weeks. Yes. Rest. I, I love yeah. that. The, and I'm going to call my manager. He's getting a phone call as soon as I get off. I this, know. I was like, I'm like, Oh, I should be doing that. I want I, him to talk about my year and how we did and where am I going? That's so smart. Me too. I was like, Ooh, and how to manage your manager. That is an MX, like, let's do this. Like, I love that. I was too. I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to call him today when we get off the phone, off this call here. And super uh, smart. Yeah. Great super idea. Super smart. All right. My week. Shall we do it? I mean, let's just be quick. We have, we have these wonderful guests to get to. Uh, I last week on the show, I was like, my, everything fell apart. I feel like I don't want to talk about it. Okay. One week later, I'm like, okay. Uh, there, uh, there is an idea of how to do this. Um, and I'm just holding on to that. And I am, I know that over the weekend, I have to wade into the waters of how to do it. <laughs> Meaning I, I mean, I think I know how to do it, but when you actually have to do it, which is very different than having it in your head. And when you start to find out, oh crap, when then that blows up and that blows up and shit, right? Like, or it's much <laughs> harder than you think, obviously always. Um, but right now I'm very excited by the, by it and what the idea is. And, you know, quite honestly, I don't have time, so I have to make it work. Even if it blows up, even if it doesn't work, I like, I got a deadline. I got to make this work. So, uh, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome by Monday people. I have to work next week, but, um, I wanted to take off and rest, but it's not going to happen. Um, all right. So that's my week. Uh, let's get to our questions. Um, Hazel, one of our listeners, um, had a question that we thought would be a great one to start with you guys, which is how did you get your first job as an assistant? And Zoe, I know you're past this now, but people are interested too in your trajectory. And um, so how did you get that first job as an assistant? Absolutely. I got my first job. It's yeah, it's a bit of a long story. So I went to USC and senior year spring, I started freaking out because I was like, wait, I don't know what I'm going to do when I graduate. And, you know, my sister is an engineer and in her field, kids have their jobs lined up like a year in advance. And so I was like, okay, I need a game plan. So (laughs) I started like getting coffees with just anyone I could think of, like people who had graduated before me who are now assistants in the industry, like random people I found on LinkedIn. And I kind of, because I had gone through that film school education, knew there was a path that involved being an assistant in a writer's room. So there's levels of assistance and the first level is writer's PA. And then you can climb to showrunner's assistant, writer's assistant, script coordinator. So I was like, okay, that's my goal. Like I want to do that. And so I got coffee with anyone who would, you know, sit down with me and all of them were like writers, PAs, writers, assistants. So I targeted sort of people who could give me advice on that path. And I was really lucky in that I got coffee with um, a girl who I graduated a few years before me. And it just so happened that like toward the last couple months of my senior year, she had told me like, you know, I know there's an opening on this show for a writer's PA, send me a resume and I'll, I'll send it in. And it was very lucky and that I got that email, like literally like day of graduation saying like they wanted to interview me. Like I was at the reception after graduation <laughs> and was like, okay, I have an interview. So I went in, I interviewed and 
got my writer's PA job, extremely lucky and started a couple of weeks after graduation. So That's luck amazing. and yeah. you had a great resume and you'd mm -hmm. done all this work, right? You'd reached out to people for informational interviews. So you know, and luck, you and you must have been great in the interview, right? Yes. I mean, you must have yeah. been a personality and a person. They were like, "Gosh, we'd like to hang out with her for twelve hours a day," uh, right? I mean, sometimes people forget <laughs> that, right? Like, you know, yeah, and she's smart and she's got energy and passion and she's positive or whatever it was, right? That that you that she's going to work hard and you know you did all of that too, which is amazing. We all tend right. to, I mean, I just want to like we women. I think we tend to minimize our ability to get things, to earn things, to be right for things. And not that you were doing this. I do this too. Like I was really lucky. I like, I say that like, yeah, it's absolutely, you know, but there is a piece that you, you deserve that job very much. Yeah. You did all the work. Yeah. Confidence. <laughs> we're all working on it. <laughs> we're all, working. all right, Caitlin, how did you get your first assistant job? Hmm. My story is pretty different. I, so for my undergrad, I went to school in Indiana. So I am originally from the Midwest. So I really, to tell you the truth, um, started out there and then I was in advertising for four or five years. Um, and then I eventually, I knew that I always wanted to come out to LA, but um, I just don't think for me that I was the type that was going to just like abandon everything and come out here and just hope that I got a job, which, I mean, I did have to abandon some things anyway. I mean, it was, it was, you know, dramatic and scary and all that stuff in all those different ways. But, um, I think I came, I came out here and went to Chapman kind of because it was safe. It felt a little safe. Um, if I came and I didn't like it after a semester, I could leave. And, you know, I knew that I would be doing like this structured school thing and I could kind of like dip my toe in the water and see if it was what I expected or see if, you know, if I was disappointed or if I fit in. So all that stuff, just kind of feeling it out. Um, so I came and I went to Chapman and Chapman was great, but being from the Midwest to tell you the truth, I really just didn't know a lot about the ins and outs of Hollywood. Um, just because I feel like sometimes unless you're here, you really don't quite understand, you know, um, like agency life and assistant life and what it takes. I think you just kind of see movies and you're like, somebody wrote that and how'd they do that? And you don't really know. Um, so I had a professor at Chapman who had been an agent at ICM for, I think like 20 years. And at one point she was giving us this speech in class and she was talking about these agencies and she was like, you got to go to an agency. You know, if you want to, if you want to write, you got to go to an agency. And I had no idea what she was talking about. I'd never heard of these agencies. So I just asked her if she would, if she would go to lunch with me one day. Um, and so we sat down and she, she explained the whole thing to me. And she's like, these are the big four and these are, you know, who's at what agency and this is how it works. And if you go there and if you're an assistant, then hopefully you can rise the ladder, you know, and be a writer. And, and after that, I was pretty much sold. I mean, we had talked and she knew ICM's head of HR. And so she had helped set me up with an, with an internship interview. And I did intern the summer of 2019, um, which was when I met Meg as well. Um, and that internship program, once you get to the end of it, they're very structured. Um, so once you get to the end of it, they do like a formal job interview and you go through um, like a couple different ones. And then you find out like a month or two later if, if you know, you have a formal job offer. But I, that, that whole story, I feel like is so structured. I just want to um, like backpack off of what Zoe was saying, where she was talking about like going out and like meeting people organically, you know, and calling up people on LinkedIn and taking coffees and all of that, because that's absolutely what you should do. Um, and before, you know, I had my professor, that is what I did. And I always take like every LinkedIn call, email, anything, because that is the way to do it. Um, 
because not everyone will be an intern, you know, and not everyone will have that opportunity at the end. So I would absolutely, it's like, reach it, reach out to people, you know, get to know people. I, I just met a girl this week who I went to dinner with, who started in our mailroom. She's only been there for three weeks. And I asked her, I was like, well, how did you come to ICM? And she said that she had like gone and been on a set for a day and met a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy in HR at ICM. And she's like, and my resume just went ding, 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 ding. And then they called me up one day. So that stuff happens, you know, a lot of the time. And I, you know, definitely don't underestimate, you know, the relationships and the reaching out and the cold calls. That's definitely one way to do it for sure. So you both know that you wanted to be writers when you had these informational meetings with people and you were investigating being an assistant, did you say, I want to be a writer or did you say, I want to be an assistant? Sure. I mean, I, I think we might have different, I don't know. Cause I think there's different assistant jobs and your answer might vary depending on which assistant job you're going to. I think for the jobs I was up for, which was more like working in the writer's room, it's okay to be transparent because I think people know that like you, you don't want to be getting coffees forever. You, you are there to like learn from the writers and, you know, hopefully move up and join them one day. So I think it's okay to be transparent and, and those coffees, you know, not interviews, but just like the cold call coffees you're getting with people. I think it's okay to be transparent as well and tell them your goals and, and they might respond to that and they might be like, oh, you're interested in writing. Like, well, let me read something. So if you say that you're a writer, it might even open more doors than if you hide it, I think. Sure, sure. No, that makes sense. I'll ju I'm just going to be really, really honest, you know, and it's like you can edit out later if you want to. Um, the thing that I always find so funny about this with agencies is that people externally always tell you to go to an agency and tell everyone that you want to be an agent. Um, but everyone at the agency, including the agents know that like, they know, you know what I mean? Like they know that that's probably not what you want to do. Um, I think like my first day at ICM as an intern, we had had like an all intern meeting and they brought us all in one room. There were 30 of us and they were like, how many of you wanted to want to be an agent? We all raised our hands, right? Like we were all like, yeah, me. And then the head of HR was like, no, how many of you actually want to do this for real? And only three people raised their hands. So the thing that's just interesting to me, like I said, is that it's like, they know, you know, the agents know, it's like, they know that, that once you come through the system, there's a lot of people that want to write, direct, act, you know, produce. Um, for me, I, for my boss, I've always been very honest with him. I feel like that can be, it's just from relationship to relationship, you know, in person to person. So, um, I respect my boss a lot and I, I always wanted to work for him, um, and the very first interview I had with him, I told him up front, I was like, I want to write, I'm going to be honest with you. This is how I feel. I love your clients. You know, I want to work with you and I want to work with the writers that you represent. And that is why I'm on your desk. And he respected that. So like I said, it's different from person to person because I definitely have friends that are like, I need to have that conversation because earlier I said I wanted to be an agent and I get that. Um, that is something, like I said, that so many people will tell you to do, um, and some people do and some people don't, but I do feel like the agencies are very aware. I mean, the turnover is so high, you know, they know that. Yeah, you, as long as you're committing to them, right? Like you're committing yeah. to, I want to be a writer, but I'm committing to you for a year. I'm committing right. to you for two yeah. years. They know how long they've got you. And honestly, yeah. really great assistants are hard to find. So if they can have you for a year 
and you're great, they'll take you. So, and by good assistant, like, let's just ask that question. What if somebody said to you, what's a good assistant? What would that be? What do you guys, and again, we're going to get out of the assistant zone in a minute, but let's just take one, a couple more questions here. What would that be if you, if, if you were giving advice to somebody to being an assistant? You can go if you want. Okay. Okay. Let's see if I had to give somebody advice about being a good assistant. Um, I mean, for me, definitely. I just try to be very, very organized. Um, I try to, I, I kind of the way that I think about it is when I think about my agency year, because I'm about to go into my 12th month, I think I can just like break it down into like quarters. Like, I feel like month one to three, you're panicking. Like, you're just like, you're like, I don't know anything. And I'm so overwhelmed. And there's so much stuff because there's so much info to just inherit. Um, and, and agencies are just very, very fast paced, you know, intense environments. And there's a lot that you have to take on right away, especially because when you make that transition, like when my predecessor left my desk and I went on, nothing changed for anyone around me. Like it just changed for me. So you just hit the ground running, you know, and you're kind of panicking and trying to figure out what to do. And then like months, like four to six, like you really get into like a good groove and you kind of know what you're doing and you know, you know, the, the moves that your boss is going to make and you've kind of figured them out as a person and you know more about the industry and the ins and the outs. And then like month, like seven to nine, I feel like you're just like good at your job because I think the comforting fact about it is that like, once you figured it out, you are doing the same things over and over and over. So once you've figured out how to do them, then you can do them well. You're not just executing them, you're executing them like at a high level. And then, like I said, the period I'm at now, that's like 10 to 12, you're just, you're just there. <laughs> no, you're doing it and you're excelling and you're, you know, figuring out what you want to do next possibly. But I always try to stay very organized. Um, I've tried to know like as a person, you know, not just as a boss, because I think that that helps. It does help to have like a good personal relationship with them. Um, I try to always stay steps ahead um, because I do know that my agent as a person is doing a lot and he's handling like 60 plus clients. So there is a lot on his plate. So most of it is just staying, I feel like a step ahead and staying organized. And as you learn, as you go, it's like cementing the things that you learn so that you can be better and execute them the best of your ability. That's what I'm always telling my son who's 18. I'm like, you understand, right? That when you go out there and get your first job, your job will be make your boss's life easier. Yeah. Not keep coming back with questions about what to do, how to do it. Do you like, because now you're, I might as well just do it myself, dude. Like that is part of the confidence of that job is your job is to make their life easier. Now, Zoe, when you're a writer's assistant, what, what's the kind of difference there? Yeah. So I was a writer's PA and it's really, it's similar in that you're really just anticipating people's needs and being a step ahead. And like, for example, you know, making sure like the stuff, the snacks are always stocked with everyone's <laughs> favorites. And, um, you know, it's really, it's a different job in the sense that I was like, you know, getting a lot of, you know, snacks and lunches and coffees, but it's always sort of like, you know, once you're into it, you know really well the writers you're working for or the boss you're working for. And it's when you know a person that well, it's easy to sort of attune what you're doing to their to make their life easier. And I think part of it is also, you know, there's always like you're able to go one step further and surprise them with something that really just makes their life easier and makes you look good. And so, for example, something that I did and I was given advice to do this by another former writer's PA, she was like, organize the fridge. So it's super pretty. 
And you don't have to do that. But if you do that, the writers will be blown away and they'll know it's you. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. (laughs) So it's like, it's just those really tiny things that like kind of, you know, make them realize that you're paying attention to all aspects of the job. But also I will say it's, you know, I'm someone who was really anxious and always wanted to do well. And it's also okay to make mistakes. Like mistakes are going to happen. And I was super hard on myself because like, I remember there was a day when I was getting lunch and there was one lunch order that was wrong and I had to go back to the restaurant and fix it. And I was so mad at myself. And in my car, I was like, I was like oh, beating myself up about it. But then in the next second, I was like, this is literally about like a salad. Like it's not the end of the world, <laughs> you know? So I think like having that perspective also being able to take a step back and being like, okay, you made one mistake, but who doesn't like, it's fine. We'll move on from this. It, this isn't life or death. So it's kind of that. that thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's amazing. Great. When I had as interns, when I was an executive, I knew who was making, washing the dishes. I could tell which interns were washing the dishes. I think all of that small stuff, I, I'm just trying to help people. You're asking, what can I do? Even if you're an intern, that does get noticed. You do get kind of pulled out. So I think that's really yeah. smart too. I um, once, um, the snack thing seems so small. It's so important. I once remember I was, I really like Charleston chew. Um, it's sort of a throwback thing for me and I was eating and they're big, they're long and I was eating it. And I kept getting called away for meetings one day and I couldn't finish the damn thing. And then the next day, I don't even think I complained about it or that's probably a lie. I'm sure I complained about it. The next day, the PA of the department dropped off this huge box of mini Charleston chews on my desk. Right. And I just remember like, I feel seen. Right. Like, yes, seeing the assistants when you're an intern or you're a a lower assistant and helping those assistants, boy, they're going to remember you and they're going to help you. I remember that. Yeah, it was great. Um, so let's get please down don't to- send me Charleston shoes. I just want to say that to our audience right now. Do not send them to me. Thank oh, you. Oh, wait, another little uh, uh tip I have is I when you're interviewing, ask the people who are interviewing you questions about them. I like I saw a woman had an African mask on her wall, and I was like, Oh my god, that's so beautiful. Where did that come from? Because I went to Africa and suddenly she's talking about herself. And, and people like you when they talk about themselves, honestly. I, I wasn't doing it by Machiavellian, but they want to talk about themselves. And then she said, and uh, we were trying to set up this office and we can't even figure out what postage stamp machine to buy. So of course, what do I send? My thank you note and a list of the different postage machines and what I would recommend she got. And of course you get, you get the job because she's like, oh my God, she cares about me. She sees me. She already helped me meet. You have the job. So you have to think about it more of how you're going to help them versus I'm going to interview just to be seen and, and mm-hmm. be judged. Like that is not what they need in their lives. All right, but let's get down to the nitty gritty, but whatever, yeah, you know, I which is say, the writing and assisting. And I will say that too, when you're a writer meeting with potential showrunners, right? That's, it's the same thing, right? You, the sh- I want the, I want the writers to see me as much as I want to see them too. Cause I want right, to know that we're going to be a good team together and that we're going to be able to communicate and appreciate each other. So it's a sort of a similar point of view. I don't think right, you great. drop that when you become a writer and you're, you know, no, they want you to be a writer yeah. and have ideas and passion and interests yes. and mm-hmm. be yourself. Yeah. Um, so writing and assisting at the same time. Now, again, Zoe, you've moved past this, um, but when you're trying to, you know, arranging the refrigerator or being as organized as Caitlin, you're both, you know, 
you know, high caliber, great job uh, assistants. How are you writing? When are you having time to write? And also, Zoe, I'm curious, you're writing on a show. Are you still able to write your own stuff? Right. That's the same kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like when I was a writer's PA, like I have to be honest, it was really hard. And it's interesting because I was a writer's PA before COVID. So I was like going into the office really early, coming home really late. I also lived kind of far away. So I was driving like an hour there, an hour back. So it was really a lot of my day was at the office or going to the office. And yeah, it was hard. There were a lot of days and weeks and months where I didn't write. But I think when you first start the job, like it's okay to kind of give yourself that time to adjust and figure out what your schedule is and when will be the best time to set aside that writing time. You know, a few months into my writer's PA job, my friends and I started a writer's group. And that was really nice because we got to get together every two weeks in someone's house. And, you know, it was just like, you brought whatever you wanted. There wasn't like a page count that you had to achieve, but it just made you do something every two weeks. Like, so I think that's, it's just nice if you have other people to hold you accountable. Um, so that really helps. And right now, you know, I am able to write a lot more, particularly because we're, we're working from home, like I'm on zoom. And so I actually have a lot more time now. I'm not commuting. I'm not like, you know, moving around as much. So I think also because of Zoom, our hours are a little easier than they would they would have been in person. So I think it's really just I have more time now and the job is different. I'm not, you know, focusing on other people as much as, you know, right now my own career and and all that. So I I feel like now I'm in a different place where I have more time to write. It's easy to kind of switch my brain from like the room and after that yeah. focus on my stuff or do that on the weekend, you know. You're always working, but <laughs> yeah, you're always like, working yeah. on the weekends. And yeah. I also, um, I want, I can't, I really want to talk to you about that shift that you made and what samples you use, but I want to hear from Caitlin first about, um, because, you know, Caitlin, you and I have talked about this. We have, right. Because when Caitlin was my mentee for Academy Gold and she came in and told me she was so excited, she's going to go be an assistant at an agency. And I was like, okay. And she's like, what, what? And I was like, well, you know. I don't know when you're going to have time to write. There are intense jobs. So, Kaylin, was I right or wrong? It's, you know, it's interesting because it's like, I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like I could speak to like, there are definitely great things to be in at, at an agency. There are. And I know that it's not for everybody. Um, you know, it's intense and it's, it's high pace. I think for me, I am a little bit attracted to that environment. So I did intern at two agencies and I was like, I, I was like, I can do this. I, I can figure out how to do this. Um, but then, like you said, you, you know, you go and you do it and it's hard. It is, it's really hard. And I think a big part of it is just trying to find the sweet spot between like, Hey, we're here and we came out here to write. So we better do it, you know, and not like burning out because I think I can very much kind of like waver between those two poles um, and that is very much like where I exist. Um, I, I live with my boyfriend, Tim of five years, and we've had several conversations where I'll, I'll get done with like a full day. 
And then he'll be like, well, what are you going to do tonight? And I'll be like, I have to write tonight. And it'll be like 10 at night, you know? And I'll be like, because I know that tomorrow I'm doing this. And I know that the day after that I'm doing that. So that means for the next three days, these are the only two hours that I have. So I have to do it. And he'll be like, don't, don't you think that like, you're being like a little too intense. And I'm, and a part of me, you know, the very like intense black and white part of me is like, yeah, but did we come out here to be an assistant or did we come out here to write? You know, did we come out here to like party and do stuff or did we come out here to write? Because when it comes down to it, I'm like, if I don't have samples and if I don't have things when I'm done at the agency, then, then this, you know, all this year in a sense, doesn't have as much value, you know, because I've made those connections and I've met those people. But if I haven't done the work that I need to be doing on the side, then, you know, then there's nothing that I can go off of when I, when I come out of an agency. So, so that's a big part of it. Definitely. That's huge, but that's huge. I really want everybody to hear that. Cause we are getting yeah. questions all the time about, but I'm being told to go to agencies because that where you can get contacts. And the answer sure. is yes, absolutely. You can, it's an intense job. You're going to be tired. And if you're the kind of person that can still write on the weekends at night and do that, um, then so that you have something yeah. at the end of it, because I know people who started agencies and they can get lost in there because the, 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 the bar of what you're trying to achieve shifts over to what the agency needs, which is a great assistant who's doing blah, 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 blah. And that's really, if you're on the agent track, that's what you should be doing because you want to be an agent, right? But sometimes you have to also take that time and know, not sometimes, all the time. I'm here to write exactly what you said. I'm just repeating it, what you said. <laughs> no, I uh, mean, it is something that I definitely had to learn. You know, absolutely. And Megan and I have talked about this before. I think that I, as a person, really much had to learn. We were talking about how one of my favorite quotes, which I didn't realize until like this past year, I was just listening to this interview with Denzel Washington. And he was like, look, just because you're doing a lot, it doesn't mean you're getting a lot done. And I was like, oh man, I was like, that is me. I was like, I'm at this agency and I'm working, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day and I'm setting the meetings and I'm meeting the people, you know, and I'm making the contacts and I'm going to the drinks and all of that is fantastic. But then when the question comes up and it's like, hey, I want to read your script. Where is it? You know, if there's nothing there, if I haven't put in the work on the time or the work in the time, like on the side, it's like, then a lot of that, you know, work and such that's gone into it, it does it not, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because it always does, but it's like, you want to have, you want those two things to meet, you know, you want to have the side work and the script. And then when the opportunity comes, you want to be able to like, good, perfect. You know, I worked for the year, I met the people and now here I am. And I have the side work and the script to back it up so that I can go, you know, in the direction that I want to go. Um, yeah, awesome. that's and the, that's, that's like the perfect me that's that exists. What you're looking, yes. Yeah. I was like, that's like the perfect side. The other side of it is, you know, I would be like, I would be lying if I wouldn't say that like approaching that every day is like, it does cause you to like, you can burn out every once in a while. I mean, I, I do burn out every once in a while. I think like two weeks ago I was at my desk and like I said, it's been like a year and I haven't taken any vacation time. So it's just been every single day. And I had like reached a point where I was just like, I was like, I don't know how I can put like so much brain power into this and then go and try to put, go and try to like create and muster something out of nothing for the next two hours, if that makes sense. So yeah, because there is another track that some people take, which is they go and they get a job. Like one of our guests got a job at at a law firm and it was, I'm not gonna say it was mindless work, but it wasn't work where he's giving, like, you got to give it an agency specifically so he could have the brain power at the end of the day to write. But then the onus is on you because you're not in the soup of the contacts. So 
there's another part that you are going to have to do as well. So it, there's there's good and bad, on, not good and bad, but pros and cons on both sides. So Zoe, how did you make the jump? How you wrote your samples? You know, what were the samples that you did, et cetera? Yeah. So the way I made the jump was I was applying to fellowships and competitions, you know, my last year of college. And as I was a writer's PA and I had used two samples that I had written while I was at USC. So I wrote them actually before I became an assistant, but they were two pilots, um, two drama pilots that I submitted to the Disney writing uh, program and, you know, got the email while I was the writer's PA that I, you know, made it to the semifinals, then the finals, then, you know, got in. And so that was, you know, kind of the, the way I, you know, was able to stop being an assistant. I got into this program, which became my full-time job. And then during the program, they help you write another sample. You get set up on all these generals and showrunner meetings. And I got staffed on the rookie and that was, you know, kind of like just my path like again I I worked very hard also feel like I got lucky and that a lot of these things just lined up in front of me and and so yeah that was my path to getting staffed but you made your own luck I'm going to do it I'm going to be Lauren for the moment because you know (laughs) there are people that email us all the time because they're not even applying Mm. You, you know there takes a certain amount of bravery to have gone to USC and done all that work and to and that while you're in a writer's assistant, you're applying to other programs, um, you're going through those interview processes, your work is at a certain caliber, but I'm sure because you're working hard on it. So I do think that even just applying and having the, the sample for that um, program is a real accomplishment and that what people start quitting even before that, you know, and it, yeah. they might have great talent but they're too afraid of the rejection or not getting in the program or not getting to the film festival or whatever it is. So they're not even trying that. And that is partly what you have to do when you're out here. And uh, I was part of it too, for both of you, sorry, is maximizing the opportunities that you have, right? Like you can come out of a writing program and not have anything to show for it, mm-hmm. right? You can come out of an, uh, a program like the Disney program and not have something to show for it, right? So the investment, or you can come out of being an agent assistant and still not have the sample that you need, right? So it's really about reinvesting in yourself. And that takes work and courage and confidence and all those things, right? Because you, you telling your story, it sounds a little magical, Zoe, right? Like I was, I got this thing and then I did thing and like, but it really was you doing the work, Right. You did it and you put yourself out there. So I'm just reiterating what Meg was reiterating that I was reiterating earlier. Right. It's just and it's a good reminder for me, too. Right. As I sit here at the end of the year, like, okay, I need to continue to work over this break. I can't because I think that a lot of emerging writers think it's like fairy dust or magic's going to happen. And here's the magic. It is elbow grease, man. It is doing you guys are both incredibly hard workers. I know that now. Okay, you're both writers and. uh, you're at different places, but I think it, the, the, the question I'm going to ask applies over the last year, maybe two years, you decide what is some craft of the writing, the writing craft that you feel um, you've learned or things that have kind of evolved or insights you've had that maybe, Zoe, for you, you're, you're too into this, but maybe looking back at the writer you were at USC, right? Like what, what are some things that you've learned about the actual craft of writing? Definitely. Right now I'm writing on a network 
drama and it's so educational because we're writing scripts that are getting shot like literally you know months later like I'm getting to go to the set and see my work produced but that means like I'm literally learning how to write for production and that was not something that I knew beforehand like at USC we learned how to write and we learned to write what was in our heads and hearts and I think that's so important but then you step foot into the real world and you're like okay let's learn how to write for what what's possible like for this budget and what we can do and I think I just learned how to be a producer and I think that's really invaluable like it it takes like your passion but also like you need to then think about all these different things um can you think of something that impacts the writing specifically like um like you say to a budget or Mm -hmm. or craft like writing for an actor who's going to say your lines and their needs are or don't have any night shots in new york in the middle of the winter (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'll also i'll give a example specific to the way i write i think i tend to write in a sort of like darker tone usually like i don't know why i always just tend to go like darker and edgier but when you're writing for you know a show on ABC, you have to learn how to make things palatable for, for people and, you know, just write toward a wide audience. And I think what I learned, especially in dialogue, was how to make things just like fun and light. And I think for me, that's so helpful because I always get the note that like, go lighter, you know, like <laughs> stopping so dark. And I'm like, I'm trying, but now I'm learning like how to do that and make things like make banter between characters. And I think that's really helpful. Just infusing everything with that kind of fun energy is good for me. All right, Caitlin, what do you, what have you learned over these, over the, since you graduated or, you know, in doing all the disciplined writing? Yeah, no, for me right now, um, I mean, because a lot of it is just writing on the side, you know, um, it's, so, so I would say where I'm at is kind of like right before what Zoe was talking about, where it's like you, you know, you're in school and you're learning about like, like you said, it's more like experimental art kind of, it's like, right. You know, your passion and what, you know, interests you and what you're drawn to. And all of that is really great. Um, but I would say one of the pros for sure, which I know Megan and I had talked about is that I'm really learning about the, you know, there are scripts and there's writing and there's writing, but then there's writing to actually make something, you know, and there are certain things that scripts just have to have. Um, and even recently, you know, I had been writing down some of those things and just keeping them like in a note section on my computer, um, because a lot of the scripts that come through agencies are scripts that are going to be shot or they're, they're ordered to series, you know, or they're looking for directors to attach. So they are scripts that are going to be made. And if you go through some of those, you're like, okay, you know, has to have like so recently, like these acts, this dramatic structure, you know, this arc, that type of thing. So I definitely respect like the creative process of writing, you know, and of discovery and of figuring out what you want to say and what you want to do. But I do think that going into projects now, I'm more, I, I think I've had just like the realization where I'm like, no, I have to have this and I have to have that because if, it, if you actually want to see it made, those are some of the things that just have to exist in the script, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another good reason to go work at an agency is the access to read all of that. I, right. I learned a tremendous amount reading, 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 just reading so much. I mean, now with the internet, you have access to it anyways, but you have access to things that are more current and going to, you know, haven't even made yet. Can I ask um, super quick, Caitlin, yeah, just when you think about, I know this is hard to sum up in 
like a response. But when you think about some of the maybe commonalities or consistent markers of quality that are coming across your desk for production ready drafts, is there anything you can kind of point to, like maybe specifics that you've pulled that excite you in your own work? It is interesting because I'm, I'm always respectfully so surprised about like what is going on to be made and what isn't because I've definitely found samples um, and projects that I'm very, very drawn to that other people aren't and vice versa. Um, and that's not, you know, like a negative comment, but um, I think some of the ones that definitely draw my eye and I can think of like two in particular that I had told my boss, I was just like, you should really, really read this. Um, and it's funny because I think about getting this, like receiving this knowledge as a writer. And I'm just like, are you serious? But I'm about to say it is just like, they're always a little bit different and they always have a perspective on something that I hadn't seen before. Is there any but, craft stuff that's in that folder that you, you've written down that you can remember like for yourself? You said you, you keep notes of, of yeah, things. Yeah, I feel like one of the biggest ones which you had spoken on in previous episodes is always just like character agency. I'm just like, there has to be, the character has to be making choices you know, they have to be driving, you know, what's going on in the script. And it seems like such an obvious thing, you know, when I say it out loud, um, but it's not, you know, you do get a lot of scripts where it's like, there are a lot of things happening to your character and the character really isn't doing a lot of things about it. Um, and they're kind of a victim of circumstance. And you can really only do that so much for so long. Um, and when you are reading it, you know, cause now I've been on both sides reading as opposed to writing it, you know, it doesn't keep you engaged, you know, it's hard to keep your reader engaged. So that, that is a big one is definitely character agency, I would say for sure. Um, sometimes I would say clarity is a big one. You know, you really just want your script and the intentions and the, the stakes to be very clear when that's muddled and you have questions. I think sometimes you can lose your readers that those are some of the things that, that definitely lose me for sure. Um, and then I just want to touch on this. Uh, I feel like as far as, cause we were talking about trends, this might be kind of a bad one, but I do want to put it out there. Cause I do always tell people when they ask me, I feel like one of the most common scripts that I always get just, you know, if writers are thinking about, well, what should my sample be about? Or what would be a great thing, you know, for me to start? Like, what should I write about? I just see so many scripts from young writers. that are about having just graduated college and like suffering you know, and like being a young adult and growing up and coming of age, I have that sample. I wrote that script. And when I was writing it, I thought it was so profound because I was young and having this experience, you know, that nobody else could relate to. But the truth is everybody can relate to it. And there's a million of them. So it's like, you know, that is definitely one of the biggest trends that I see is just, you know, somebody's just got out of uh, undergrad or something. And they're like, I'm going to write like being a young, struggling kid in New York, or I'm going to like young struggling in LA, or I return to my hometown after failing. And not to say that that isn't interesting. Um, it is, but that is probably the most common script that I read from emerging young writers. I probably get, gosh, I, I probably read like three of those a week, at least I would say. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah. Zoe, when you're in the room, um, uh, in the writer's room, can you talk about um, how that works for the listeners who don't know in terms of your role in it being, um, I'm not gonna, younger writer maybe is not the right ter term, but less senior writer, let's say that. Yeah, so it's really, a lot of it is really the same job. It's interesting because there's like, I think like seven or eight different levels to being a TV writer. It's basically all the same job, but it, it is like, you know, there are senior writers who've been there longer. And I think the difference is that 
sometimes like you have to leave it to the senior writers to kind of like be the ones who are doing structural changes to the story and things like that. Like, I, I think I got a piece of advice when I first was a staff writer that was like, you know, when you're first entering a writer's room as a lower level writer, your job isn't to save the day. Like you can save the day and that's awesome, but don't feel pressure to save the day and, you know, find that fix that is perfect. Like you're there to kind of fill in the gaps. You're there to kind of, you know, give the pitches that, you know, for what this character might say or how this scene might lead to the next scene. Like, so it's okay if you're not, you know, structurally, foundationally affecting the show because you're still giving these really important pitches that affect the scenes of the show. And so I think that's the difference. But of course, you know, if you have a good idea, you should pitch it. And lower level writers have pitched things that affect like season arcs, like that's possible. And if it happens, that's great. So I think that's the main difference. But the way it works is like, usually we all just come in, we're over Zoom now and we just talk for a couple hours in the morning then have lunch then come back but it's like you you talk big picture ideas for the season early on and then you kind of just get into the weeds with each episode as as the season goes further um but yeah I think that's the main job and then obviously there's oh sorry (laughs) no that's great I think that's great and keep going I didn't mean to interrupt you Oh, no. And it's just, you know, so breaking story is a part of it. And then once you get assigned an episode, you're writing and and yeah, so there's many different jobs within that job. And then you go to set and that's a whole nother set of skills to learn how to be on. Be, you know, monitoring what's going on and talking to the director and and things like that. Totally. Yeah. You guys, thanks so much for coming on the show. I know um, both of you have to get back to your job. So I just wanted to wrap up by. We always ask the same three questions of our guests. So we wanted to ask both of you. Um, uh, Lorraine, why don't you start? Oh, I get the joy question this time. I'm excited. So what brings you the most joy when it comes to writing? Caitlin? Oof, the most joy. Um, I knew that you guys would ask this question. And I was thinking about this last night. I have one of my best friends here um, is a coordinator at Marvel. So last night we got to go to the early screening of Spider-Man. And I just, we talk on a regular basis, me and this friend, and she's always telling me, she's just like, she was like, it just took so much work and so much work. But then we had gone and we had seen the movie and it was the first time it had really been out there, you know, to the public. And she was just like, but then I'm sitting here, you know, and I'm listening and I'm watching you watch it. You know, she's watching me and she's like, and I can see you enjoying everything, like all the work that I've done. She's like, and I just know that it's worth it. Like, I know that I'm doing what I want to do. And I feel the same way about writing. I mean, it's, it's hard and it takes, it takes a long time before you get to that draft that you're like proud of. But then when you get there and you like give it to somebody and they're equally as passionate about it, that's the best feeling. Like when somebody calls me and they're like, I love this, like, let's talk about this. And you always know, I mean, I just, there's no other feeling like that, you know, than working on something that you really, really want to see come to fruition. And then you get it out there and somebody reads it and they're just as passionate about it. I mean, I just that's feel like awesome. that's the best. That's great. Zoe. What brings you joy in the writing process? Yeah, I think I just love the headspace I get in when I write because I'm normally a very anxious person and my mind is always spinning in like 500 directions. But when I sit down to write is the only time in my life when I can just be focused on like the thing in front of me. (laughs) And, you know, I have music playing and I just, you know, I'm able to be in that headspace. And sometimes it's like, 
even afterward, you feel that writer's high and you're still in it for a little bit. And I just like that. I like the sense of relaxation it gives me. And it's always a relaxation, even though sometimes you're under deadline, but it's like a happy sort of mentality. So I don't know. I, I just like that. that. Yeah. I love that. If you can curb your anxiety long enough to actually get into the writing zone, it helps, right? right? That's the battle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for me, I'm saying for me, not for you, but. Jeff, yeah. you want to ask the next question? Yeah. What pisses you off about writing? And Zoe, let's start with you. Yeah, I think, honestly, I still have a lot of imposter syndrome with writing and the business in general. And I think you can probably tell I'm always still trying to figure out like, oh, I, I belong here. Like I deserve to be here. That's something I have to tell myself every day. And honestly, it's one of my goals for next year is to stop feeling that way, which I don't think is I'm ever going to stop feeling that way. But I just always have to convince myself that like no one is doubting you except you you know like I always feel like everyone is supporting me and I'm the only one who's like do I actually like deserve that and I know I do so I think that's the one thing that pisses me off is that sometimes I still have to work on that little voice in my head yeah Um, I sometimes think that that is because we're creative I think it goes with it so I think for a lot a lot of creatives in all different disciplines that doubt that voice is part of the creativity it's so weird like I know somebody who won an academy award and she told me that yeah I'm still waiting for the knock on the door for them to go excuse me that was a mistake give that back I mean you know she won an academy award and still it's there so I just I hear you it's it's painful part of it isn't it yeah last Um, week I think I literally texted you Meg here's where they're gonna find out like (laughs) like I literally was like I've been exposed now they know Right. I, I mean, word for word. It's just so, part of the soup. <laughs> it's part of the soup, man. Uh, Caitlin, what do you hate about it? What pisses you off about writing? What pisses me off about writing so much is just like, I feel like I'm one of those people that I just, not that, not that I'm structured, but I kind of am. I just, you know, and I'm from my family. Everybody in my family is just very much like, like Zoe was talking earlier, you know, engineering, right? My dad was an engineer. And my mom was a teacher and my sister's a doctor. My other sister's a nurse. And there are like clear paths for those careers. You know, it's pretty much my older sister. It's like undergrad, med school, you know, rotations and residency, doctor, bam, it happened. You know, she's successful. She did it. She like, it's very, it's there and it's spelled out for you. And I just like, it's so hard because in this career, it's like, I wish somebody would just tell me what to write and how to do it, (laughs) that I could just do it. Right. (laughs) It's like, I wish I could just be like, yeah, Same. I'm going to write this thing. Yeah. I'm going to write this thing and here's how it should go. And I'm going to do it and it's going to sell. And then I'm going to go and it's going to be there and I'll have made it, but, but it's not like that. It's experimental and you have to, and you're in and out and down and around and you're like making progress. And I think I told Meg last week, I was like, I feel like I'm making progress, but at the same time, I feel like I don't know anything about anything, but that's a lot of like what it is. Meg, how many people text you all their (laughs) self-doubts and worries? Like so far as one, two, who else, who else do you have on your roster? (laughs) All right. Last question. Um, So in the scripts you've written that are your own, um, i.e. your samples or your passion projects, uh, is there a scene that um, if we were to make that tomorrow, you would love to be remembered for as a writer? Yeah, I think I, I wrote a sample that was really close to me and it was about the Japanese American internment camps and a family that goes through it. And I think honestly, a lot of scenes from that pilot, but there's a scene at the beginning where they're having like 
a little wedding, like in one of the little houses. And then you step outside and realize where you are. And it's like in this place that's behind barbed wire. And there's like these mountains in the background. I always liked that imagery and felt like it was very powerful. And I don't know, my hope is that one day I'll be able to see that scene, but because it's something that I don't think I've seen on TV before, especially stories that are about that time in history that just haven't been told. I think that's what I would love to be remembered for, just telling those stories, like seeing something that I wish I had been able to see when I was growing up, you know, something like that. No, that's amazing. Uh, Caitlin? Um, I have this one scene with this one script that I don't know. I just like, I always call it my inception script because I'm like, it's going to take 10 years. That's just how it's going to be. And I just have to accept that. Right. It's going to take me 10 years before it's even in a place where I can really, really be proud of it. But it's basically, I mean, it's this script about this guy that like meets death and death is like, I'm looking for somebody I'm going to retire and I need someone to take over. You know, I need someone to take my job. And when he first meets them, it's really just like this, the two of them talking. And it's been in every draft that I've, that I've written. I think I have three now and I just can't get rid of that scene because I like it so much. Just like them talking and him realizing who he's talking to and death being like this big, crazy, scary thing. But in this script, it's just this old man that's like kind of cool and like drinks black coffee, you know, and likes a scotch on the rocks. And I just really, really like that scene. And I just, every time I write a draft, I can never get myself to get rid of it, even if I'm not sure that it'll belong. So We'll see. I, I don't know. It's just, it's very different from anything that I've written. I don't know if it'll be something that I, that will like come to fruition. I, I would like it to be, but that scene alone, I think I'm very proud of. And so that As little you should be. Is good I love that scene too. I love that scene too. I've read this. Script. I love that. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Really, really. Thank I you. think it's going to be so, so helpful for so many of our listeners. Um, really appreciate it. And it's been really helpful for me. I've gotten a lot of tips from you guys, you both. So I really appreciate it. And your honesty and your willingness to share, um, really inspiring. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It was fun. It was great. Yeah, it was awesome. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't yet, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash The Screenwriting Life. Also, please drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. We are not anywhere near the number that Jeff Graham would like to see. We're almost halfway. Come on, come on, come on. And remember, you are not alone and keep writing. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash The Screenwriting Life or email us at thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it, and not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.